Welcome data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt and this is Data for Good. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company for senior data, insights and analytics professionals connecting you with Berlin's most influential companies. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data analytics and engineering, giving you access to the thoughts and opinions of Berlin's most successful data people. Today, we are joined by Pierre Martin, Associate Director of Global Analytics at Wayfair and also mentor at the Mentoring Club. We've been looking forward to this episode as it has been patiently waiting in the wings for a little while. Pierre is going to talk to us about data and how it drives decisions. Pierre, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you. Very well. How are you enjoying the uh, autonomous months? How do they compare to them back in Canada? Well, I mean, we've been at least getting a little bit more sun than I feel we had last year, uh, especially in Berlin here. But uh, no, it's good. I just got back from a six-day trip down to Italy and Switzerland to go on to get a little bit, of, I guess, a little bit of a break before the hectic period here starts and, uh, you know, the holiday season as it is. So, uh, yeah, a little recharge. I'm really excited to talk today. Amazing. Amazing. Um, first question, we are um, focusing on data as far back as you can remember. What what is your first memory of data? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I I when when I was growing up, for me, it's I played hockey, ice hockey, and so for me, it's always been about the stats, right? You talk about yeah. goals and assists and points, and and over the last decade or so, you know, they've added a ton more into that that field where there's tracking how much time you spend on the ice or things like that so i mean that if you, if you go back i mean i remember as a kid getting hockey cards and you open up the packet on the back you're checking the the stats from prior years i know they do that uh every other sport has the same thing i maybe they're not as popular anymore maybe now they're more pokemon cards but yeah uh yeah for me that's probably my earliest memory of of data as growing up and maybe in the start of this as to why i got into it i don't know yeah, it's interesting to to look back and think where where has this passion come from? Yeah. Um, and sports, our passions as kids do tend to be the reason. Stats as a kid, it's evolved a lot now into decision making within a business. So yeah. we make a lot of decisions a day. I think Noom did a study, and I think mm. 122 informed decisions each day uh, we make oh. as individuals. Business decisions are a little bit different. <laughs> they impact a lot more people and they're also changing the way they're done. Tell us, how are decisions becoming more and more driven by data within businesses? Yeah, I think I think we're definitely seeing more of that now than ever. Um, you know, I mean, I've been in data now 15 years, but I've kind of focused on data for decisions that entire time. But I think until maybe the last five years, companies weren't really coining it that way, right? There's this element of you make a decision with some gut feeling, uh, you kind of go find the data that helps back that decision up. Uh, but I think over the last five years, we're really starting to see a shift in what I call data led, uh, which is more the flip side of it, which is we have a a thing that we have to figure out what is the data telling us and how should we tackle it versus what used to be is I think we should do a let's go find data that backs that up to back up our case study for a um, and now we're seeing that that shift so I think we're companies are investing more into it we're seeing more focus into that we're starting to see 
data isn't just in the background living there, but I think you're seeing companies say, okay, how do we turn this data into insights to help make better decisions? Um, and so for me, I think I've seen a lot of that shift in the last five years, give or take. I think centuries old is knowledge is power and knowledge is now data. Yeah. Data in large amounts. Uh-huh. How do we convince people who you, you mentioned the old school way of thought going off gut feeling? How do we get how do we get them to have a taste of data and, and the value? Slowly, I think is the answer uh, there. I think you know you you people that if you think about executives and businesses today, uh, and this is a very generalistic statement, but a lot of them got there by having great decision making, a lot of it based on their own hunches or experiences. Uh, and you're talking about people that have you know, a significant amount of experience that are now being told, hey, did you get the right data for that? Did you get, did you look at the data first? Did you go into that? And I think part of that conversation is building that over time. You show a little bit of value, you show a little bit more the next time. And then over time, you've convinced them that I should be looking at numbers. I should be looking at the data. I should be trying to identify what the patterns are telling me. so we're going to see a generation, I think, in the next 10 or 15 years that move into those executive roles that are used to playing in data. Just like, you know, we see kids today that are able to do things that I can never do on a computer because they grew up with computers. And for me, yeah, I had a PC at home when I was younger, yeah. but it was the start of the internet. Uh, so I think just like that, we're starting to see that. For the, at least in the near future, the executives that we're dealing with, we just got to continuously show them the value and, and actually translate it into something that is actionable and not just throw a number at them and say, the number says we should do B, let's go do this right now, but rather say, this is why you're seeing this. This is how the, the data behind it is supporting this, and this is how we may be able to change that. Um, and so it's really more of a communication piece than anything else at this stage, in my opinion. And a term that's kind of thrown out quite a lot is data as a product. In simple terms, in layman's terms, what 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 does that mean? It's a it's a mindset in in my view, which is uh, you know how can you take the data that you have and turn it into something that is usable for the person who's using or grabbing that data. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about products, we're so used to these physical products. I have a laptop. I know how to use the laptop. That's a product. But ultimately, data is the same thing. So when I am within a business and I'm a data professional, whether I'm a data engineer, I'm taking data from one spot and moving it to the other. That is the product that I'm creating. I'm taking it and moving it to a space that's successful by the business. A data analyst might look at that data and create um, an analysis that indicates how we're going to fix problem A or B. Uh, mm-hmm. A data scientist might create a model that will help drive uh, increased viewers on the website, uh, things like that. So ultimately, it's like, what do you do with it that moves it along the journey into being something that is usable for the business? Uh, and you know, data as a product is, is more known now. But in my view, in the past, a lot of the times was I built a dashboard. The dashboard is there go figure out, you know, I did it. My job is done. Well, that's 
you've built a dashboard. The product is the dashboard, but in reality is how do you take the data and turn that into a product? What is the insight that you want me to drive? What is the action you want me to undertake? What behavior do you want me to change? Mm -hmm. And I think that when we think of data as a product, then instead of just delivering a dashboard that has the information that you think they want, you're actually building something that is customized to serve the need of the user. Um, and ultimately, if you're not delivering the value that they expect from that product, then they won't use it, right? And I think that's the mindset that I've been trying to instill more in my career is what is the value that you're creating by touching the data? If you're not creating any value, then over time, your skill or your job becomes less important to the business. So how do you create something that is a product that will be used by many people? How, as a data team in that case, can we kind of stop ourselves from over overcomplicating the data that we're and the dashboards that we're producing and hmm. focusing more on what are the actual needs of the consumers of the business? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, for me, it really comes down to, I, I, there's like five kind of key steps there for me, which is one is, you know, you got to get stakeholder alignment early and often. Like you constantly mm -hmm. got to be talking to them. Uh, like any other business, you know, when you run a company, you're getting uh, survey data back from your clients to tell you if your service is good. You have a net promoter score, for example. Uh, you know, we need to use that same mentality to, to data and say, hey, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Stakeholder, are you getting value from this? Is this helping you? Is this not helping you? What do you want from this? How are you using it? Um, what are you doing with it? Who's looking at it? How often do you look at it, right? So by getting that alignment early, you're really gonna more likely to create a product that they're gonna be using. Mm -hmm. The second thing to me is, is around applying a kind of a product management mindset. You're building something yeah. for someone to use. So, you know, I'm really big on tracking usage stats. So if I have a dashboard that four people are using, that's okay if those four people are really making impactful decisions with it. But I would much prefer having a dashboard that a thousand people are using or looking at because I think that shows that there's more uh, kind of usability within the business. Yeah. The third kind of element there is, is taking that even a step further. You know, if I build something that a thousand people are using, that means that I've actually kind of accomplished with the goal, which is like this investing in self-service. You know, we talk a lot about self-service data, but that's ultimately what the data as a product is. If you're building a product, it can be used by many people. How they use it is up to them, but you're thinking about your data in that, in that framework. Um, and then the last two are really kind of more about once you've invested and you've done that self-service and you've got a lot of adoption, then you're really focusing at that point on the quality and the reliability of it. Um, mm -hmm. Because again, I can build a really cool product, but if it keeps failing all the time, or if people over time start to doubt some of the pieces there, it doesn't matter how good my product is. You know, my car keeps dying on me every time I start it. I'm not going to drive the car and take the bus. So it's the same thing here. I think with what this is. Um, and so those are kind of those five key elements to me is really focusing on, on, on that because it really turns your data into a product because you're using those typical product mentalities mm. to help shape what you're delivering for them. Definitely. There's five really key steps there. Uh -huh. Driving value. 
which one would you say is the biggest proof of value? Well, um, or is it by case by case? Yeah, I think I think adoption is probably the easiest metric that we can track right now within the data world. I mean, there's always these conversations around return on investment. You know, how much money did we save because of this decision? How much money mm -hmm. did we make because of this decision? I mean, those are a little bit harder to prove because there are so many factors at play at any given time. And so the fact that I gave you a piece of data that says we should do decision A instead of B, well, you might have probably got to decision A because three other people highlighted other elements that were not as data driven. Mm -hmm. But I think when you talk about the value creation, I go back to if a thousand people are using this analysis piece or this dashboard or the self-serve model that we built, now you're, you can tangibly go back and say, there's value here. What that value they're creating with, I may not know that, but they're actually using it to do something. If they, otherwise they just wouldn't have gone onto the dashboard, they wouldn't have looked at your piece. And so for me, I think right now, that's the easiest one for data professionals to kind of gather because we have that available. Every BI tool tells you how many people looked at it. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you can dive in deeper depending on the, the, the level of maturity of the organization to say, okay, this decision saved us a thousand bucks or a million dollars. And I think that's, that's the next frontier that we want to start to tackle more is to really kind of start to be able to prove the value that gets created from data teams. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, going back to our, our, our topic a little bit earlier around data decisions, right? Companies mm -hmm. have been investing heavily in data for the last number of periods. And now they're starting to say, okay, prove, let's use data to make these decisions. And there haven't been as many consequences back to say, okay, great. Your, your data led us astray, we lost a million dollars, or hey, your data decision actually saved us a million bucks or made us a million dollars. Um, but I think that's coming next, right? So now that we data teams get more embedded into the business on a regular basis, they're more active in the decision making. Now is the next question I think that's going to come up is, what's the value that you're providing, right? And prove it to us, just the same that you would with a sales executive and say, how many sales did you do this month? On the data side, it's how much did you save us or how much did you gain us because we have this data team or this data platform in place. Mm. And with you mentioned over a thousand people using it, the usability, yeah. self-service. Mm -hmm. We're starting to see the joining or the data team and the business team not being two separate entities yep. as they have been traditionally. They're they're coming together a lot more. So for those who don't know, talk us through self-service and where we're trying to get to with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the concept behind self-service is really empowering the business to be able to get the data that they need when they need it for the question that they have. Um, so historically, you know, data teams, and you mentioned, you know, they were separate. Yeah, you had a data team that was, you know, in the back corner with the technology people. And anytime you had a question, you'd have to submit a request or a ticket or whatever methodology they like, they would then decide when and if they got to your question. And so a lot of the things that you would hear about is, I don't have that data because the data team hasn't done it for me. It's been a month. The backlog would be in the data team. Um, and over time, you know, there are two solutions the business has there. Find their own answer, which then makes the data team less reliable, or they keep kind of hounding the data team 
and the stress increases on that data team. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things we want to highlight is no point in time do we think that data teams are lazy or not doing their job. There's just an overwhelming amount of things and, and things take a little longer. The premise behind self-service is, is that most, most businesses have, you know, 10, 15-ish different areas that people will ask questions in. How much revenue did we make? How many customers do we have? You know, what happened yesterday for whatever my team? Uh, you know, and those questions over time become fairly repetitive. And how people slice and dice them is ultimately where the value comes in. And so, mm -hmm. you know, self-service is the concept where I would build a data model that has, say, revenue. And I would give you as many dimensions or different features that you can slice it by as you wish. And so if you want to see how much revenue we made in the east side of the country yesterday for people age 65 and above, well, you should you can go and get that information yourself. And you don't mm -hmm. have to submit a ticket, wait a week to get a, a fairly easy answer. So uh, companies are heavily investing in that because ultimately it makes faster decision-making within the company. It empowers people to be able to get their own information and ultimately re reduces that reliance on investing into data people and get them instead to focus on getting the right data at the right time. And ultimately what we talked about earlier is the, the data as a product, right? I think the, f the first thing that would jump out is that maybe the data team is the bottleneck and has been, but how important is the question that's being asked, is it needed now? Is it going to be needed also tomorrow? Yeah. Is it is it a knee-jerk question? How important is hmm. the question? Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we talk about, I talk a lot about data literacy or data education as, as a component. And I think, you know, we're now again, as we talk about this generation coming up, that's more data literate than ever before. Uh, you know, I think you're right that within a business, you don't know what you need until you need it. And a lot of the times you need it now, like it's, it's unrealistic for us to ask our stakeholders to send a request and give us three weeks to answer your question. Like you have a question now, you probably want the answer quickly to keep that momentum going. Um, so I think there was a large part of that in the past that the bottleneck was the data team because there was a, not a, necessarily an understanding as to how long it takes to answer some of these questions or to get mm -hmm. the right level of detail that you need. I think there was also this element of data teams building things in an ad hoc fashion. Like I will answer Matt's question, but only Matt's question. Well, now when you think about data as a product, I should be thinking about how do I create something that will not only answer your question, but also other questions that are similar to that. Mm -hmm. So that in the future, you don't have to come back to me and ask the same question again. You know, it was fully acceptable 10 years ago that every month I'll send you these numbers that answer this question now, no, I want to automate that. I want to put it in a way that you don't have to ask me for how much money that we make last month or how many clients that did we gain, or, you know, you should be able to get that yourself. And if all of a sudden you want to slice it a slightly different way, you know, go at it. Um, and so I think data teams have also grown in maturity to think bigger picture, which brings us back again to that point about, data to make business decisions right and so how do we how do we provide that uh, so it's been an education on both sides i think the business is smarter but i think the data teams are also thinking bigger picture and longer term uh, which we didn't have i think a handful of years ago so it sounds like ad hoc requests are not going anywhere they'll always be 
coming up, but how yeah. can we more include those requests into more scalable solutions? Yes, exactly. What... Yeah, exactly. So, um, and that's where I've always been a big proponent in my teams is to say, if we get a question more than once, we should be trying to automate that so we don't get that question again, right? So ad hoc requests will always come in. There's never, we're never going to get away from that. But the same ad hoc request should not be coming in more than two or three or four times. At that point in time, now you've got a common question that we should be supporting the business to have always available as an answer, right? Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't have to be an ad hoc request. At that point, that becomes a regular reporting or you, know, you add it to the self-serve tool or those elements. Um, your ad hoc requests become more specialized questions uh you know new problems that haven't been faced before things mm -hmm. like that that you can actually help create new value and not just be repeating the same value over and over and over again because at a certain point you, you're now not actually helping but in that case how do we prevent a huge screen of dashboards how do we make sure that they're always relevant I would argue, and this is, again, this is my, my thoughts only, but I would argue, does it matter how many dashboards exist within the organization? To me, it doesn't. What I care about more than anything else is that we have a single source of truth to build that off of. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about, uh, I've used this example a few times today, but like we talk about revenue. Yeah. If you're building your own dashboard and I'm building my dashboard and we're both looking at revenue this year, we should get the same number. From there, if your dashboard looks at it on a daily basis for, again, people over the age of 65, that's fine. Have your dashboard because it helps you make the decisions that you need for your job. But we should be talking the same number. So for me, I, I, that's why I've always, I'm fine with having a thousand dashboards in a business as long as they're, they're useful and they're providing the value. Where we talked a little bit earlier about a thousand users, for me, it's a thousand users on the data source, the data model, the single source of truth, um, because that's where ultimately that's the value we're creating. And then you're able to take that value, that, that data model to answer your question, your problem, your specific use case. Uh, and then from there, because it's all tied to one source, anytime you fix something, change something, add something, everybody gets that same information and the same at the same time so that you don't end up with these different versions of, of that same truth, right? So the single source of truth is the foundation. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure the quality there is high. Yep. And people can work with that as they, as they wish yeah. and whatever request they need. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than when you get, you know, two different answers to the same question. Um, and so I think that's where data teams really provide that value uh, in, in creating that single source of truth. It's not always possible. And I know it's been sometimes it's that, uh, that unicorn where people say you can't have a single source uh, and every business has a different approach to how they, they tackle mm -hmm. that. But I think ultimately for big, big numbers that are, you know, executive level KPIs, you should have one revenue number. You should have one expense number. You should have one number of how many sales did we do or how many customers came into our store or, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a fact, you know, after that, how you 
break it down, I think is where the real value gets created in the business. Um, so yeah, so I think that's where the data teams really provide value now is to say, this is the basis for everything. Let's go dive, let's go deep dive into this and let's really solve some of the business problems from there. So start with the business problem first and, mm-hmm. and, and work back from there. hundred percent. Amazing. Well, I couldn't have you on today without talking to you about the work that you um, do on top of your full-time job. So you are an active member in the data community, a mentor of the uh, mentoring club. So just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, So mentoring club is nonprofit uh, organization. I think that's been established in Europe. Uh, I have no affiliation with them outside of that. I just love to give back to, the community and kind of help people as they navigate their careers or within data, or if they want to bounce an idea of. So for me, it's incredibly uh, motivating, inspiring to kind of help people, whether it's within my day-to-day role at Wayfair, or if it's within the community in general, uh, I think, you know, this is a growing community uh, worldwide. It's definitely a really big one in Berlin. Um, Mm -hmm. And if I can help guide or help, provide some clarity to anybody about my prior experience um, that I'm always happy to do that. And so, yeah, the, the mentoring club is just something that um, I stumbled on and, and have really kind of latched into and really enjoyed. And I think it's a great, great offering for uh, data community, but it's not just limited to data. There's also a ton of other areas, but for me, it's specifically on the data side. I think, yeah, data is the future, but I think what's so fascinating about data is there's a a mix match of different backgrounds of people getting into data it seems to be quite a leveler um a lot of people entering it that don't come from a traditional data background if you uh if you if you would what is it do you think about data that is so intriguing um to get into well for me it's just uh I just see it as having such a high impact. I mean, I think, yeah, you know, every time you're playing in something, there's, you can see the, hopefully you can see the value that you're creating uh, on the other end. Uh, but there's just something about data that, in my opinion, doesn't lie. The numbers are the numbers. Uh, and then you can really use that to kind of really shape a large part of where the business goes or the strategy of the business or the, the next decision that, that comes up. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's super interesting. Uh, we also play a lot, like in the sense of a, you're never really working on the same problem, especially if you, you know, do that self-service and that, that, yeah. that layer properly, every time you're going to have a new challenge and a new problem to tackle, which I think is very different than a lot of other roles. Um, so uh, for me, that's, what motivates me anyways, in this space. And I think that's what attracts a lot of people into um, into it. Yeah. That, that's my take on it. Nice. So if I was a software engineer, product manager, yeah. um, someone who has good domain knowledge and, and wants to get into data, cause I see the value in it. Yeah. What should my first steps be? What questions should I be asking? Yeah. Great question. Uh, for me, you know, a lot of people think that doing a, a data boot camp is the answer that it's going to get them across the line. And I think that, you know, the, the market is flooding nowadays with candidates, uh, especially entry level candidates who all have, um, you know, minimal experience, which is obviously the case in entry level, but they've all done a boot camp. So for me, it's about how do you, every role that you're in, whether it's 
communications, marketing, sales, uh, you said software engineer, for example, all of those roles encompass data within them. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a huge opportunity there to say, okay, I've done my boot camp, or I've done my training, or I've looked at stuff, how can I apply this within my role, and get my skills up that way? Because whilst you may, you know, you might be looking to transition into a different role, I think data is around us all the time, you can really leverage it within your existing role. And then I think that's what gives you that that head start into a future career in data. If you want to switch to become a data analyst or a BI analyst, having a, an example or a credible example of how you've been able to leverage data in your existing role, whatever that role was, mm-hmm. really gives you a head start into thinking about those roles because, you know, as we talked a little bit earlier about business decisions, data nowadays is how can I help the business? Well, if you were able to do that in your prior role as a project manager or a software engineer or a marketer, uh, I think you're really already thinking the right way, which is what we really want in the data environment is people that can think, not just, I don't want someone who can just come in and be a really good coder. That's nice. That's a skill set that I can teach you. What I can't often teach people is how do you think holistically about the business and how data plays into it, right? That's a tougher conversation to have and a tougher skill. So if you already have that and you're coming into data, to me, that's where I really see people uh, being able to get that experience and leveraging that into other roles. So it's the mindset first, the skills can develop and hey, the skills tools. are teachable. Yeah. yeah. Well, the and... skills didn't even exist 15 years ago. Like, you know, when I started, it was Excel, you know, like people, people were doing analysis on, in Excel. I mean, we still are largely in a lot of companies, yeah. right? Uh, you know, SQL wasn't even something that was common knowledge 15 years ago people were using it but it was very much a certain type of individual now that's a very common language now it's the expectation as you come into a role with experience in sql or even python or r depending on what uh, business you're in Mm -hmm. Uh, so for me the hard part is is uh is the mindset um and i mean if we have a another second or so on this topic um i had i heard this analogy a couple of years ago and it's really stuck with me which is uh and it's using colors so it's not termed any but the individual was talking about that there's blue people who are uh sales focused they could sell you know anything to anybody and there are red people who are very much the most technically savvy people they can build you anything um and what we're lacking in data or what we were lacking in data is this purple person that is able to do both. Mm-hmm. You know, we had some really very smart data scientists, but they couldn't explain the value of their model to an executive. Well, the executive isn't going to adopt their model because they don't understand what happened. Yeah. It could be the best model ever built, but they weren't able to sell it to the business to use it. The flip side of it is, is you have this really good salesperson who isn't able to develop anything that is good from an analysis perspective, you can sell it, but it's not good quality. So ultimately what we've been working on in the data is how do you combine those two people together and get that person who may not be as technically good, who may not be as good at sales, but they're good at both. And that's the value that I think that's created in the business is you're able to sell or at least convince people or understand the business need for what you're doing. Would you say that's where the storytelling comes comes to the oh, forefront? Very much, yeah. We've rebranded it very much as storytelling nowadays, uh, but yeah, it's it's very critical here. I think data as a as a profession, it's becoming more and more professionalized. Yeah. 
Um, we kind of see it as it, data is at the adolescent stage. We've had mm -hmm. the awareness. People know what data is now. And we're really driving towards acceptance yeah. and everyday business decisions. And I think unfulfilled potential is being thrown around a lot when we talk yeah. about data. Well, we taught us a lot today, Pierre. Yeah. We could have spoken for a lot longer than these <laughs> topics um, lead pretty nicely onto a future podcast. And we would love to have you on again in the future. Fingers crossed we'll maybe do a live event in Berlin next year. But that's... But yeah, that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for your time and your rich insights, Pierre. It's been educational and topics that everyone is, is talking about. To our listeners, as always, uh, drop your questions and feedback in the comments section and we'll pick out some to be answered on the future podcasts. And please don't forget to like and share so we can get the, the message out to as many people as possible. Um, but from me and Pierre, it's goodbye. Thank you, Pierre. Thank you, Matt. Ciao for now. Ciao.